Now introducing GoTab. We are more than a POS. We are a restaurant commerce platform that is designed to optimize experiences and efficiencies. GoTab uniquely allows guests to order and pay through a server or order and pay directly from their mobile phone or blend the two experiences all in one tab through its easy to use mobile point of sale, contactless ordering and payment features and kitchen management systems. It takes more than great beer, fantastic service and a cool atmosphere to grow profit. To grow revenue and profit, you need the right tech. GoTab helps do both. To book a personalized demo, please visit gotab.io slash en and click the blue button. That's gotab.io slash en. Hello, everyone. Regardless of who you are in the beer industry, Guinness Draft is one of those beers we've all had and respect. Guinness has been around over 260 years, and Guinness, as you'll learn, uses much, much more than that one beer. Today, I'm learned by joined by Guinness Brewery Ambassador Jimmy Callahan. Jimmy, how's it going? Uh, it's going well, Andrew. Thanks for having me. This is really a lot of fun. Where in the world are you, Jimmy? Uh, I'm based out of Chicago. Uh, I'm one of our four ambassadors for the United States, and uh, I have 15 states I cover, and our whole job is basically to educate people about Guinness. Uh, so we train our sales staff, we train bar staff, we train distributor staff, um, we do consumer events, and uh, we also um, are experts in, in, in uh, dispense. So, so for troubleshooting with draft systems in regards to Guinness uh, and all the beers that we have. So uh, it's pretty fun. I get to go around and talk to people about beer and tell the Guinness stories, and then uh, there are a lot of them. So it's, it's a pretty good gig. Sounds like a great gig. Now, what is your first Guinness memory? Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I feel like, uh, I feel like because I have the job I have, I should have a better answer uh, for this. But the first time I ever came across Guinness was in college. And, uh, and, uh, you know, my, my experience with beer up until that point was just, you know, light loggers, uh, you know, kegs and stuff at college parties, and that sort of thing. Um, and somebody was like, oh, here, you got to get it. Here's a pint of the black stuff because my name is Jimmy Callahan. So I'm, obviously, like, I should just be drinking Guinness, you know. You and were so, born drinking Guinness. I, mean, I, I just I hadn't at that time. You know, I wasn't I wasn't a big uh, I always drink responsibly 21 and over. I wasn't like a big beer drinker uh, at that point. Um, but uh, it was on. It was very unique. It was unlike anything I'd tasted before, because up until that point, you know, those like the the common phrase is like oh beer's an acquired taste you know but if you're drinking crappy beer it's like i don't want to be acquired to that taste of crap <laughs> so uh so the my first experience with that was um uh was like in college and then uh i came to have a real strong appreciation of it when uh, i actually did this play called flanagan's wake which was an interactive comedy uh and it was the whole idea was that the audience is coming to ireland because they're their ancestor Flanagan died. And so it was then that I really fell in love with Guinness um, for the beer that it is and the culture uh, and the brand itself. So um, I, was, I was a little bit late of a bloomer as far as my Guinness experience goes. So you wear two hats, you work for Guinness, but you're also a pretty successful actor right here. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been lucky in my, uh, in my career. So I started off in stand-up and improv. I'm, I'm very funny, obviously. Um, and, uh, and then I kind of fell into a commercial work. And so I've done over hundred commercials and a lot of TV and film stuff and, uh, still do that, uh, when, when time allows, but uh, I've been able to uh, be fortunate enough to have this job with Guinness for now in my sixth year as one of our ambassadors. So, um, a lot of it's, uh, it's all performance really. It's all education and entertainment and hopefully entertainment. 
uh, but education, uh, trying to engage people and uh, and have conversation, uh, have uh, a new connection, really. So um, they're not that dissimilar, honestly. How do you balance your time between both um, positions that you hold in your life? Uh, well, Guinness, well, family comes first. Uh, I've got three kids, uh, eight, five, and two-year-old. Um, so my wife and I, especially in, <laughs> as I'm sure you understand, uh, in the pandemic times, it's been it's been pretty challenging the past couple of years, but uh, we've made it work, uh, bouncing them around and everything. But um, family comes first, and then Guinness is, uh, um, you know, my priority as far as uh, uh, my employment is concerned. And then uh, if I can fit in some uh, acting stuff on the side, I kind of equated to. Um, you know, people have full-time jobs, but then they train for marathons. You know, when you have, when you find the time for that, you you gotta you know uh, pick and choose sometimes um, uh, when you can do your your pleasure projects, your passion projects. Rather. Has Guinness ever utilized your services in any of their commercials? Um, not uh, not like network commercials, but I do a lot of social media stuff, and uh, so a lot of things for Instagram and uh, and that sort of thing, and training videos. Uh, so. Um, yeah, uh, I, I get to do a little bit of that too. That's actually a really great similarity there. Cause you know, when people are watching training videos, you don't want to watch that boring training video that was made 30 years ago and the dry, dull person just going over fact after fact. So when you're talking training, Jimmy, how do you make it interesting? Cause obviously I mean, you're a comedian, it's going to be funny by default, but you know, what are the <laughs> tips and tricks that you put in there to kind of get people excited about the experience of training someone on beer? Well, I think it starts with if if you don't believe in what you're saying and you don't feel confident in what you're saying, if you don't have a passion for what you're saying, then why would anyone want to listen to you? <laughs> you know, like what what why are you why are you there? As far as if it's a video or if it's a training, uh, could this have been an email? You know, you never want someone to say this is a waste of my time. So I like to try to give people information that they that they might not have had before or re reimagine the information that they already know uh, in a new way. Um, I like to try to engage people. So you ask questions, uh, so make it more interactive um, and casual. I try not to speak in corporate terms. Uh, so I, I avoid um, bandwidth and circle back and land this plane as much as possible because what like just use words that mean things um and uh have a, at least try to have a sense of humor about it so uh be open to new things so i, I um i guess if, if i if i can put the feather in my cap of why why i could be successful doing these presentations is that i don't really ever have a script i just i know the information and then i have an objective uh and how i get to that objective it's different every time so it keeps things fresh for me keeps things fresh for the audience hopefully so what types of trainings do you host yourself? Uh, well, I've done, uh, especially um, the past couple of years where so much has been virtual um, and I haven't, we haven't been able to get out to, to the bar, uh, the, the pub as much or the bar as much uh, to do beer dinners, that sort of thing, whatever. Um, I started doing Facebook Live uh, Guinness Happy Hours uh, where I picked a new topic every week and uh, invited people to come and join and learn about beer, learn about Guinness, um, and have some fun, just have some <laughs> human connection as well. Um, I think we're all craving that. Yeah, right, right. Uh, and uh, and so th then we've also, we've really amped up our social media presence, all the ambassadors on Instagram. So we do different, um, I mean, it's, it's the same platform, but we do different like little micro shows. And then uh, I've, I've done some um, 
uh, some longer video content just to dispel some myths and misperceptions about Guinness and uh, and educate people instead of in lieu of being there in person. Well, you've set yourself up for that one. What's a myth you'd like to dispel right now? <laughs> um, I think the biggest myth that uh, uh, that persists in the United States is that Guinness is that pint, the creamy pint of nitrogenated stuff that you get at the pub, and that's all it's ever been. And Arthur Guinness was making that in 1759, and that's what Guinness is. Uh, when in reality, um, Guinness started in 1759, but it wasn't until 1959 that we invented this whole concept of nitrogenation uh, when we tried to put our uh, Guinness uh, extra stout on draft. So up until then, and this uh, this does blow my mind actually, but uh, up until then, up until the 1950s, uh, we were uh, maturing beer in huge wooden vats, and it depended on where the beer was going, the distance from where it was traveling from the brewery to its final location, how much uh, the, you know, the hop content and the alcohol content of the beer was, because this is before refrigeration, this is before um, pasteurization, this is before electricity, this is before our country was founded. <laughs> you know, So uh, it, we would brew uh, what's called a Dublin porter uh, for, uh, for the town of Dublin, and then we would brew a country porter, which was a slightly higher alcohol hop content, and then we would brew in a West Indies porter, uh, for journeys over the seas. Uh, and so that beer was all, it was north of 7.5%. Like at times it was all the way up to like nine, 10% beer, you know, to survive the journey. So it didn't spoil. Um, but, uh, we never canned, kegged or, uh, bottled our own beer until we invented draft. So we would just send those barrels around the world. We, you know, put into casks, send those casks around uh, Ireland, around the world. And the local publicans would then either bottle their own beer or pull it directly from the cask. Um, and we became the biggest brewery in the world just doing this without advertising, um, without, you know, slapping our name on, uh, on, on, on the bottle or a can or whatever. Um, and uh, we were shipping beer all the way to New Zealand by like 1858, uh, like probably the furthest point in the globe. So um, Guinness Draft, when it came about, really took over um, certain countries in the world. But for the most part, if you're drinking Guinness around the world, around the globe, you're drinking four and extra stout or extra stout, which are the descendants of those beers I mentioned before. So uh, a lot of people think like, you know, Guinness draft is all that we do, but we make lagers, we make ales, we make different varieties of stout. Um, it's not just one brewery, uh, not just one beer, it's a brewery. So that's the biggest one. And uh, I think that was a very long answer. <laughs> well, it was really informative. And I live, you know, in Virginia, not terribly far, probably four hours from your Baltimore brewery. And I can't wait to make that trip up and experience everything you have. I've heard it's a beautiful facility. It, it's it's awesome. Um, they have done just an incredible job of continuing the Guinness legacy in in the United States. So uh, we actually we had brewed beer in in the U.S. before. Um, it was first exported in 1817 uh, to the U.S. Uh, and that would have been for an extra stout. It wouldn't have been you know draft was not invented at that time. Um, so we would have had for an extra stout coming to the United States all the way till prohibition you know put a halt to all that, and then. World War II. And so it was, we lost a few generations of beer drinkers. And then we eventually, uh, you know, got back into the game and we're sending extra stout here. We actually broke up a brewery in, um, uh, in New York and Long Island. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're trying to bring dark beer back into the United States, but uh, it took a while for things to get going. And then finally draft was what uh, helped us like chip away at the, at the U S there. But, um, uh, but yeah, so as far as the Baltimore brewery goes, it's our first, purposely built brewery for the United States. Um, 
and we've had we have all American uh, brewers. We have we have some very very talented, well respected people at the helm, um, and we're doing everything from uh, from loggers like you know uh, we have a salt and lime lager that's made its way around the country. Uh, I'm sorry, ales that's salt and lime ale. But we've had uh, different loggers. Uh, we have uh, barrel aged beers, um, some of which have made it ar around the country in like LTOs, limited time offer, um, which are like bigger beers like. Uh, like this uh, imperial stout aged in bourbon barrels. Um, so we have, we they brewed over 250 unique beers in the oh, four wow. years we've been open. Yeah, so tons of stuff. Some of the stuff is is just meant to be for the tap room, just to experiment, to have fun, to you know, uh, to you know, express their creative uh, energy. And then other stuff like uh, our Baltimore Blonde is um, is the flagship beer coming out of there that will make its way you know, to the rest of the country as well. So uh, great food there. Uh, there's a lot of history uh, with the, the building, the facility. It used to be an old uh, whiskey distillery that uh, is also part of the Guinness Diageo um, company. So uh, it's definitely worth your trip and you will have some amazing beer. I will let you know how that goes. So looking at what you brew in Baltimore versus what you brew abroad, you know, how does that differ? You know, do you see certain unique styles being produced strictly for a United States audience? Or I'd love to learn a little bit more about how it differs between what you're brewing in Ireland versus, you know, here in the States. Sure. Um, well, uh, it's, it can be very different, but there's a lot of through lines as well. So uh, as I said, it's all American brewers. So we're not, it's not like um, the decision is, is, pretty much theirs as far as what they're going to brew for the, the Baltimore facility. Uh, and Dublin is doing what, what Dublin is. So we have, we have uh, Guinness draft and extra stout and four extra stout, Smedix, Harp, all the beers that Dublin produces we have at the Baltimore uh, brewery as well. Uh, and then we have our core Baltimore beers and then we have experimental beers that they do. Um, so how they differ um, the Irish, especially our, I don't want to sound like disparaging when I say this, but they are years ahead of us as far as quality and consistency goes with draft systems, uh, because there's no three tier system there. Though, so, so you know we can we have full access to the beer and can make sure that everything is as the, the brewer intended it. Um, but like most European countries, uh, it was they're really looking to the United States as far as creativity goes and innovation and classic styles and maybe doing something different um so uh i think that that's where they differ um but the 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 dublin brewers also is supremely talented I, we, we have more master brewers in dublin than any other brewery um but uh so they are doing uh, we have the um uh a pilot brewery there called the open gate brewery and they're doing a, a very similar thing so uh, barrel aging beer, doing you know unique styles uh, of beer, um, so they're catching up in that regard, and we're trying to catch up in the quality and make sure that you have a good pint every single time you uh, you order one. Um, and we also are using the Guinness yeast and uh, roasted barley from Dublin. So that's one thing that really sets Guinness apart. Um, yeast comprises up to seventy eight percent of the flavor of a beer, and we have a very unique strain of yeast that no one else has. So you literally can't find something that tastes like a guinness because you don't have that dna of the beer the yeast uh that we use and so we're shipping that yeast all around the world uh to all we brew in over 50 countries around the world not just in the united states not just in dublin 
And so that yeast uh, gets sent around the world to maintain consistency in that flavor profile, as well as roasted barley, which is only done at uh, the Dublin St. James Gate Brewery. Uh, so we roast barley there basically every day, all year round. And that barley is then sent around the world to uh, basically have like a, a piece of Dublin uh, in most of our beers. So even um, uh, even some of the like the ales and the lagers that we're, we're brewing in Baltimore, they they're predominantly using Guinness yeast. Uh, but then we also do use harp yeast and smithix yeast, but they all have a little bit of roasted barley in there to have like a piece of Dublin, if not for anything else symbolically. That's fascinating. And, you know, I want to dive more into the innovation component of what you at you all are Guinness are doing right now. And what I'm drinking right now, I'm actually drinking the, the Guinness Zero, which oh, is a fantastic beer. You know, I've done dove deep into the NA segment. And, you know, when I first got this, oh, I love it. I did a side by side with Guinness Zero, and you know, do you refer to the alcoholic version as the leaded version? It's <laughs> like there's not a consensus. Like I had Guinness with zero percent alcohol and Guinness with typical alcohol. How do you verbally refer to one versus the other? So far, we, we there hasn't been a distinction other than Guinness Draft and Guinness Zero. Uh, so we'll just we're just trying to keep it simple, you know. Um, and with the implication being that if you're saying it's Guinness Draft, then uh, that it has alcohol in it. Um, the really amazing thing about this beer, though, is that um, that it it isn't brewed like other NA beers, which oftentimes it's brewed to be non-alcoholic. So it's not really brewed. You know, there's there isn't really ever yeast introduced into the process. And so you basically just have like a cereal water that kind of tastes like a lager. Usually, you know, usually it's like a try to go after like a light beer uh, or a lager as far as um, the flavor profile goes with an NA. With this, we are not. We're not doing that. We're brewing Guinness Draft, same exact process, same beer, and then through um, basically through like a, a filtration system, uh, almost like an RO membrane. Uh, the that membrane traps the alcohol molecules because they're bigger than the rest of the molecules in the beer, uh, and the rest of it goes through. So meaning that you get all the flavor of a Guinness Draft. Uh, it's just minus the alcohol content. Um, so you get that roastiness, you get the, you know, the chocolate and coffee and toffee, you just don't get the heat of the alcohol. So, you know, some people still say like, oh, it's pretty good, but it doesn't taste exactly the same. It's like, well, yeah, like there is an alcohol in it. So um, it's not going to take taste 100% the same, but it's pretty darn great. Uh, and so it's a, it's an excellent option. If uh, for whatever reason, if you're, um, you know, you just didn't want to have a drink or you don't uh, consume alcohol or you're the designated driver or you just, uh, you know, you're watching a, a soccer game or a football game uh, at uh, 10 in the morning and you're not quite ready to have a beer at that point. <laughs> so um, we're, we're really proud of it and it's been taken off. Um, uh, we, we, because of supply chain stuff and materials, uh, we are now finally getting it uh, where it's nationwide before we had some target markets. Uh, so now we're seeing, you know, it uh, really expand and, uh, and that's doing real well for us. And, uh, a nice alternative to your pint of guess. In addition to running crappy professionals, I'm also part of several non-alcoholic beer groups. And it seemed like when you first released it in the United States, every other picture in these groups was someone finding it in their local supermarket or, you know, <laughs> package store. And people got very, very excited about it. But yeah. people, looking back a little bit farther, how did it come to be? You know, at what point did you decide, you know what, we need to make an NA version of this? Well, uh, I think Diageo is always about, uh, Guinness being Diageo, uh, always about uh, responsible drinking and, and enjoying our, our beers or spirits, uh, but in a, in, a, in a healthy manner, responsible manner. So um, we've had different NA 
beers before. So like Caliber uh, has been in our portfolio. Um, and, and even in, you know, I'm not saying that Guinness draft is a, like a, a health focused beer. I'm not saying that at all, but, uh, we don't really, all of our beers are very well balanced. Uh, and usually, um, it, that includes like the alcohol content. So, uh, you know, Guinness's draft is only 4.2%. Uh, it's only 125 calories for 12 ounces. So it's actually in effect, like one of the lightest beers you could drink. Um, but it just has a lot more flavor. Um, so as far as like the getting into the NA game with, with Guinness, I think it was more so of understanding that we had the technology to do it and then executing it. Um, so we're always looking for new avenues to, uh, to give people options, uh, when they're, when they're consuming, uh, beverages. Um, and also at the forefront, we are a company of innovation, uh, from, from the very beginning, Arthur Guinness helped create the whole category of an Irish dry stout, you know, going from porters to a stouter porter, a stronger porter and creating an Irish dry stout to the world's first export stouts to different packaging, uh, and, um, uh, and other brewing technology that we've uh, that we've helped invent, uh, notwithstanding the uh, invention of Guinness nitrogenation. So um, this is just the latest thing, or one of the latest things, as far as uh, our history of innovation goes, and trying to provide people with uh, different options for different occasions. Very cool. Do you plan to do any other Guinness branded um, NA beers? Um, I don't, to my knowledge, I don't know of any in the pipeline, but uh, we're certainly open to those uh, opportunities uh, because, you know, if we could do it with Guinness Draft, like why couldn't we do it with uh, our other beers? Um, if there's a market for it and we feel like we can have, create a quality product, then it, it's certainly on the table. That, that is a very good answer on that one, Jimmy. Now, looking at all the limited offerings you've put out in 2022, you know, what have been the winners and what are those you've learned some lessons from? Um, well, you know, I started off by saying that the, that biggest myth that Guinness is just one beer. Guinness is, you know, Guinness Draft, and uh, it was funny to me because um, uh, it's like it's like a, a parent who's like, we had this one kid, and we love him or her. We can't have any other kids. We can't spread our love at all to anyone else. You know, uh, it's like I like pizza. That's all I'm going to eat forever. <laughs> it's like we we make Guinness Draft, but it wasn't our first beer. It won't be our last beer. And so this whole idea of like. You know, oh, what you know what's Guinness doing like leave Guinness alone and blah 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 it's like what that it's not going anywhere like Guinness draft is going to be there it, it is it is a staple uh we're very proud of it but that doesn't mean that we can't create, continue to create because if we didn't continue to create Guinness draft wouldn't even be a thing you know we'd be still bring porters in Dublin and never have gone off the island so uh this whole notion that you know we should stick in our lane and, and stuff it's like well we, we we go in many different directions <laughs> so um uh, you know, when it comes to uh, different innovation uh, products and, and beers that we've made, um, the hurdle that we come up against is trying to uh, get people to open up their minds to something beyond what they love and know as Guinness Draft. Uh, so, um, like when it comes to uh, like our LTOs, like the the holiday offerings, like we've had that, uh, you know, the where to go there. Um, our Barely's beers coming out of Baltimore. The we had an Imperial Stout. We had a chocolate mint stout. We have a um, a gingerbread uh, barrel aged stout, and these have been wildly successful. Uh, you know, some people get them just as collectors' items. Some people, um, you know, get them and, and give us presents. Uh, but they're really, really well done beers. You know, I'm sure that you've had your fair share of barrel aged beers as the popularity of that style 
uh, has uh, really taken off the past like you know ten years or so. And uh, some of them are really amazing, and some of them taste like motor oil. Uh, and you know, it's it can be a little bit hit or miss, you know. And what I'm really proud of uh, with our brewers is that they still maintain that sense of balance, whether or not it's they're doing an Italian pilsner or they're doing an 11.3% uh, chocolate mint stout that doesn't taste like 11.3%. You know, there's the, there's a balance uh, within the beer. So um, some of those beers have been, you know, really, really successful. Uh, we've had some other beers that, you know, maybe we came out a little bit too early with uh, uh, almost ripping the Band-Aid off like, oh, this is what a Guinness looks like to you? Well, how about a nitrogenated IPA? And people are like, what are you doing? They didn't understand where we're coming from, you know? So now, now that we have the Baltimore Brewery open up for four years, now that we have our Chicago tap room, which is opening up next year uh, at some point, um, people are open to the idea that Guinness can brew different things. So, um, but some of the beers that we've, they've made have been uh, incredible. We just had um, uh, like the Salt and Lime Ale is like an awesome summertime beer. It's made for around part of the country. Um, we had a Belgian wit beer that's uh, phenomenal. Uh, that really has taken a hold at the brewery. Um, and then, I mean, I don't know. I, like, I want to take my company hat off, but it's still, uh, it's still the same. Like there, are, I, I haven't, I have not tasted a bad beer from our brewers out of the, you know, the hundreds that they brewed. I believe that. I haven't tasted one where it's like, eh, gross. Like everything is, is done purposefully and, um, and for a reason. And, they're, they're very, very tempting. So let's dive into that salt and lime ale for a minute, because you mentioned people sometimes think that Guinness is just one beer, and that's obviously not the case. So when you put salt and lime ale on the shelves, how do you teach people through your marketing that this is an option for them? Yeah, uh, well, some of it is is actually just like grassroots uh, marketing where we're at festivals and we are at, um, uh, you know, professional beer events where we just want to get people to try the beer, you know, because there's uh, uh, there's no better way to win over somebody than having them taste the beer instead of uh, having some preconceived notions and, uh, you know, oh, am I going to spend the money on a six pack when I'm not sure what to expect? Uh, so the most success we have is, is really just getting the beer in front of people and, and having them taste it. And, and so we can explain to them, um, you know, hey, this, this is available and, and that sort of thing. So um, uh, but with uh, with those sorts of releases, though, um, they they're usually going to like bigger uh liquor stores bigger chains and uh people will they see the guinness name and so luckily we have uh, some <laughs> luckily we have some really good name recognition there yeah yeah we, we, we're lucky to have a name that people recognize and it's like oh interesting I'm, i'll try that you know um so it, it's a it's a smattering of a lot of different things um and you know obviously social media is is incredibly important with trying to get out and I get the message out so we'll do some um uh you know live tastings um our we had brewery ambassador in uh fr from the brewery and then we also have one of our other ambassadors uh, mike reardon in boston does a weekly show um uh uh coast to coast guinness toast on instagram uh, you can follow him at about the stout and uh and we'll do stuff on there all the time like tasting new beers and that sort of thing very cool. You mentioned, you know, Guinness has such name recognition. And, you know, when I think of Guinness, I also think of the Guinness Book of World Records. And, you know, until a couple of hours ago, I assumed in my mind there was some relationship, but I didn't actually dive into it. Do you know about that story? I do. Um, I'll back up just a couple decades earlier. So I mentioned at the beginning uh, that we didn't advertise 
for the longest time. So it was just word of mouth, quality and consistency of the beer just spoke for itself. We started to advertise in 1929. That was the first time we ever took out a, uh, like a full page ad. And it basically said, because of quality and quality alone, we've become the biggest brewery by far in the world. I mean, that's 150 years of no advertising. It's nice, right? Wow. And, and just putting beer into wooden barrels and sending them around the world. So once we did start this uh, um, relationship, shall we say, with advertising, we wanted the quality of the advertising to match the quality of the beer. So the golden age of Guinness advertising really started in the 1930s and then up to the 1950s, uh, where we have um, these images of, um, where did that bottle go, sorry. Um, we call our Gilroy uh, art. So it's, uh, it's named after um, a man by the name of John Gilroy, excuse me, who was um, uh, a very talented portrait artist, but he worked for the advertising company we used in London called S.H. Benson. And he's responsible for coming up with these campaigns like Guinness is good for you, Guinness for strength. Um, Cause he just went around and asked people like, why are you drinking Guinness? Cause everyone was, and they were like, makes me feel good. <laughs> you know, little did they know it wasn't a health tonic. It was, it was a beer and they were, you know, feeling good because of that. Uh, but uh, so he's also responsible for those, uh, what we call the Guinness menagerie of animals, like the toucan and the ostrich and, and pelican line. Um, the idea being that the zookeeper was having his Guinness stolen by these animals and he's trying to track it down or whatever. So these campaigns, like we, we found a lot of success with them uh, because it brought a sense of whimsy and, um, uh, and, and a sense of fun to, uh, to the brand. Uh, Hugh Beaver was uh, our head of director of marketing um, uh, I don't know when he started, but uh, in the 1950s, as we're approaching the bicentennial, uh, he was responsible for a lot of creative and wacky promotions, shall we say. <laughs> so he did uh, what's called the Great Guinness Bottle Drop, a few different ones all around the, the world, where we basically like dropped like 50,000, 100,000 embossed bottles. Uh, like they had like a message in a bottle for Guinness, uh, and they just like floated around the ocean and we're, they, people are still like uh, discovering them uh, today. I don't think we'll try that again for very uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, but along with that, 1955, Hugh Beaver, the director of marketing, was um, uh, he was uh, having an argument with uh, his buddy, as guys tend to do, about the fastest game bird when you're hunting. And so they were arguing back and forth, and he got this idea. He's like, there should be a book behind every bar. To settle these stupid bar disputes, so uh, so he, he got a you know, advertising company to compile a list of facts and figures all around the world: the tallest this, the fastest this, the uh, you know the country with the most this, blah blah blah. And it became the Guinness Book of World Records. And at first, it was just a it was just an advertising thing. So it was given to pubs around uh, um, England, around Ireland, and it was just to settle bar disputes and something for fun to for people to flip through. Um, that's what it started out as, and then eventually it became the second largest book in print in the world behind the Bible, <laughs> and, wow. um, which is nuts. And then, so it, it, it definitely came from Guinness. Uh, it was part of our, you know, it was our invention. And then, um, eventually sold the rights to it in like the 1980s. So it's no longer owned by Guinness, but it did start with Guinness. And it still has your name on it. Yep. Do you have any favorite world records in that book? Oh man, uh, I, um, as a kid, when I, when I first saw it, you know, it's like in your classroom, you know, you'll see like, uh, I was fascinated by the, uh, 
um, the the dudes with the long fingernails, <laughs> you know, where it's like like curling around and like like feet, it's like foot long or like you know, a few feet long, or whatever. I'm like, why? Like it was just so bizarre to me, uh, you know. Then you invariably you think about how they do like day to day activities and stuff, and I'm like, it was just like ah, you know, seeing an image of that. So that uh, that that's the one that made the most uh, impact on me, like the biggest impression. Uh, but um, I can't pull off like a, a specific one. Or, to, or like obviously like the uh like the tallest guy or like the shortest person in the world you're like what they're 18 inches tall or something you know it's pretty crazy it's all fascinating it's right when you're having a plane at guinness to have that kind of trivia and i've always been like a jeopardy person trivial pursuit guinness world book of records i love having that knowledge just available for you just to know it's there it's it's neat to have it's fun to know like a little bit about a lot of things so at least you can have the conversation a hundred percent. So I was, you know, doing a little bit of Googling today and I saw that in 2021, there was a football fan from North Carolina who broke a Guinness World Book of Records by attending home games for all 32 NFL teams in 74 days, which I thought was pretty cool and pretty impressive. And I know, right? It's a lot of football. Yeah, that's, that is a lot of football, a lot of money. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know who funded it, but he definitely had a nice little vacation there. But, you yeah. know, looking at the upcoming football season, does Guinness have any neat tie-ins? Uh, absolutely. Uh, thanks for asking. Uh, so we uh, we've really amped up our football presence um, the past couple of years. So uh, we have a partnership with uh, Joe Montana um, and also uh, with Notre Dame uh, for their college football fans, um, uh, which is uh, just a pretty pretty much a no brainer like Guinness and Notre Dame and whatever. So uh, we're, so we've got a great partnership with them. Uh, but it's not just college football. Uh, we had our first uh, Super Bowl commercial last year. Uh, they got a lot of attention, which is great. So. Uh, we plan to be involved with uh, your Saturday and your Sunday football uh, from uh, the beginning of the season all the way to the Super Bowl. So you'll see us, you'll see us out there, and you'll see our uh, our beers out there as well. Are we going to see any animals in that commercial? <laughs> uh, I don't know what we have in store for this upcoming Super Bowl, but uh, you know, they, if if, uh, if there's still ideas being floated around. Um, I, it's never a bad idea to, to incorporate the stuff that people know and love. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, you've already talked a bit about Baltimore, but you suddenly mentioned that there's going to be a new location in Chicago. When do we expect that to open and what can we expect from it? Yeah. Uh, well, the, it's, so it, it's, a, it's a building that we, uh, that we found, um, it's on the near Northwest side of Chicago in the Fulton market district. Uh, it's an awesome location. It's nearby a bunch of different, like really amazing um like restaurant spots and nightlife spots uh but it will be like uniquely guinness um but that being said it's a building that needs a lot of work so uh we i don't have a specific date for you just other than it's got to be in 2023 um uh, initially we we were hoping for uh, perhaps to to have something uh, around st patrick's day but um i think that's probably pushing it uh so but shortly after uh, we should have uh, beer being poured there and uh, it'll so we'll have stuff from uh, from Dublin, we'll still be importing Guinness Draft and and the uh, the staples from there. We'll have some beer being um, shipped over from Baltimore, uh, and then we'll brew beer specifically for the Chicago market as well. Uh, it'll be a smaller brewery than uh, than the Baltimore brewery, is a ten barrel system. So uh, we have the capacity there to brew specifically for that tap room, and then we'll be beer, uh, bringing beer from the other two sources as well. So we'll have food there. Um, I'm very excited about it. Uh, it'll be in my, uh, you know, in my backyard and, uh, excited to have, you know, Chicago, I think is the, is the natural fit for the, the, the next expansion. Um, there's a, there's a huge Guinness, um, uh, there's a big love for Guinness in, in this community. And, 
uh, and uh, and then all the people in the Midwest who can't make it to Baltimore, you've got an easier destination. I always enjoy visiting Chicago. Last time I visited, it got to zero degrees, and I was lucky that day it was not windy, but it was definitely a good time. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it's the winters make you appreciate the summers. That's what they're saying. So, you know, a lot of good food in Chicago, too. And when you're talking, you know, having a pint of Guinness and like the perfect pairing, you know, let's talk pizza for a second. Chicago is pretty well known for pizza. What yeah. type of pizza or topping in particular do you prefer with your Guinness? Pint of Guinness draft, I should say. Or unless you have another Guinness you'd like to throw in the mix, you know? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about uh, Guinness Extra Stout and uh, and Ford Extra Stout. I've got all these bottles here down beneath me or whatever. <laughs> but uh, so, so Guinness Extra Stout. Um, it's, it's a beer that, um, that people, like, you might see it at the, at the, you know, grocery store, at the liquor store, uh, and pass by thinking that it's, it's exactly the same as Guinness draft, just a different package or something. Or if you see this yellow label, uh, Guinness, uh, foreign extra stout. Um, but, uh, but this beer is, uh, is uh, such a, an amazing combination of, uh, of flavors. It's the beer that we put on draft to create Guinness draft. Um, and so the difference is that. It's uh, it's not nitrogenated. There isn't uh, you know those nitrogen bubbles in the beer. It's just all CO two. So what happens is um, nitrogen bubbles actually like with that creamy texture um, actually soften the bitterness a bit. And so with uh, Guinness Extra Stout, those uh, those bubbles aren't present. It's just the CO two. So the flavors, the aromas really explode out of the beer. So everything's amplified a bit. You get more roastiness. You get more of that chocolate toffee coffee flavor. You get more bitterness in the back end. So um, so this beer is great for a lot of different things. Uh, if you think like through lines with, uh, you know, like roastiness uh, and like caramelization, um, just off the top of my head, like I would like I, I would go with like a like a caramelized onion uh, pizza with uh, like caramelized onion sausage. Um, I think that that would be really great. Um, but uh, uh, anything um, that has like that that browning effect, like the Maillard reaction, you know, so like uh, some nice, uh, you know, like not charred, but uh, what's the name of that reaction you just said? Uh, Maillard reaction. M I. How do you spell it? M I L L I A I R D. It's 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 essentially the like the browning of food, you know. So uh, like roasting barley roasting coffee searing a steak um that like that that charring effect that browning effect that that releases different uh compounds uh in the food or in the in the beverage um anytime you can like have some through lines with that uh you're 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 pretty good for a a good food pairing so like for desserts get us some chocolate because of the, that um uh those dark like roasted notes with the beer and the especially a dark chocolate or uh, you know, uh, super on point um, with uh, as far as like mains. I mean, OK, so I, I didn't mean to like skirt the answer to your question, but for pizza, um, we have, uh, you know, we're famous for the uh, Chicago Italian beef. Um, so you can actually get like you can actually get a basically like a beef pizza with a hot jardinera on it and everything, too. Um, I that's not something I get every time, but uh, I've had it along with the uh, Guinness and uh, it's uh, it's pretty darn incredible. <laughs> but short ribs, uh, you know, um, uh, Guinness is great to not only to pair with food, but also to use in the food. So I know a lot of people who the uh, 
not even knowing that I work for Guinness, those they've said like, oh yeah, I use Guinness whenever I like whenever I grill, like as a marinade, you know. Um, so pork is great because the sweetness of the pork, um, uh, uh, chili and stew. It's just uh, it adds a robustness to the uh, to the food that you can't get with other beers. So um, there's aren't there aren't really it's a very versatile beer. There aren't a lot of things that it doesn't go well with. You're making me kind of hungry right now. It's getting close to dinner time here in the East Coast. I think I might need to walk to my favorite pizza place in my family right now and try some of these pairings you're suggesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong. <laughs> so, Jimmy, you know, looking ahead to 2022, the rest of the year and beyond, you know, what are you most excited about? Um, well, I'm certainly excited about the the new brewery in uh, in Chicago, the new tap room. Um, and I mean, honestly, like I, we, we get uh, insight into some uh, uh, some things that are uh, you know upcoming, um, but uh, I'm constantly surprised at some of the, the things that uh, that we're able to achieve, not only with beers, but like new partnerships and 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 reaching new audiences and stuff. So um, I'm excited that we're able to go out and and hopefully like everyone being safe and, and vaccinated and. Uh, and taking care of themselves, go out and, and see each other again, and 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 share pints of Guinness uh, with uh, with your family and friends. And and for for me, I get to go out and travel and and meet new people, talk to people, and, and see old friends. And uh, and that's really what Guinness is all about. It's always been about community. It's about um, that sense of uh, you know being at the pub uh, and not just on your phone, but having a conversation and uh, and and just like that experience of what we call crack, which is CR. AIC, it basically is like an Irish word for like the liveliness, like the, what's the energy uh, of the night, you know? And so uh, I'm looking forward to some good crack. That sounds like a good time. And for me, you know, Guinness also pairs very nicely with travel. I remember my first Guinness in Dublin at, at the top, the Guinness draft at the top of that beautiful facility. And, you know, yeah. some people say that's the best Guinness you'll ever have. And of course, it's going to be fantastic because the view is amazing. You're at somewhere abroad and it's a great time. So yeah. for you, you know, outside of being at that same spot, which I imagine you probably had a beer at before, where's your favorite place to have one of your Guinness beers? Um, so it, it, in like abroad, outside of uh, anywhere in the world, anywhere, anywhere in the world, man. Uh, well, I mean, so the 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 politician's answer will be uh, uh, anywhere with uh, with good ambiance and a person who knows how to pour a proper pint of Guinness, you know. Um, and uh, fortunately for me, in uh, in and around Chicago and my territory, all the the, uh, the states I cover, there's no shortage of amazing bars that uh, that have uh, you know just a great pint of Guinness. Um, but uh, that being said, also uh, when I've had the fortune to go to Ireland, um, my favorite—I'm not going to say a specific bar, but like the the, the the moments that come to mind are the the ones where you get like a list like oh when you go to dublin or you go to galway you got to hit up this bar this bar this bar or whatever you know that's where they pour the perfect pint of guinness but uh my my favorite moments were like just like the small the small little unassuming bar that uh the little pub that you wouldn't that wasn't like on everyone's radar but it was just like what guinness is all about you know there's a uh, you know uh an irishman or an irish woman behind the bar uh who's probably been doing it for 20 30 years, uh, just taking the, the care and the craft, chatting you up, uh, seeing where you're from and just, uh, being able to like relax in, uh, in such a quintessential environment, you know, like that's, that's my favorite place to enjoy a pint. Um, just, uh, like the, going back to the, um, the beauty of the simplicity of it, 
you know, just like when's the last time you had a good Guinness, you know, that's, it's, uh, it's something that, uh, that I crave. It's great. I love it. And that experience that goes with the beer definitely makes it better. Yeah. Well, Jimmy, it's been fun today learning more about Guinness and having you. So I appreciate the time. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, always drink responsibly. Uh, please enjoy a, a Guinness when you get a chance and, uh, um, have fun out there. Go out and, and meet your friends at the pub, you know, uh, and uh, have one of you drive uh, drinking a uh, zero. So be safe out there. <laughs> it's a good one. Well, Jimmy I, hope, Jimmy, I hope to have beer someday and cheers and have a good one. Sounds good. Thanks very much for having me. Bye. If you like this content, please subscribe, share with other craft beer professionals and give us a five star review. Cheers.